everyone. Welcome to The Boot. That's right. It's The Boot. We are recasting classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to. This week, Kenna and I discuss the biggest and hunkiest movie of 1987, Three Men and a Baby, starring Tom Selleck, Steve Gutenberg, Ted Danson, Margaret Collin, and Nancy Travis. I kind of got you on that one, didn't I? I'm silently laughing. You said the hunkiest movie. It really is. It's full of a bunch of hunks. Yeah, no, 42-year-old Tom Selleck really gets me going. This movie was the largest grossing movie of 1987, if I'm not mistaken, and it starred three of the biggest celebrities at that time. I think I read somewhere on the trivia that during the party scene, like thousands of people showed up to be extras because all these women were like, I just want to be in a room with Tom Selleck. Specifically. Like, and so they only picked like a hundred people and those people like got to party with the guys for like four days while they shot the scene. But I was just like, wow, so many hearts broken by that mustache. And all three of their hearts broken by a tiny little baby. Aww. Dear Jack, here is our baby. Oh no. I can't handle this Mm -hmm. now. I don't know where else to turn. Mm -hmm, Right. Someday I hope you can both forgive me. Unbelievable. Her name is Mary. Mm-hmm. Who's Sylvia? Who's Sylvia? How am I supposed to know? You have to be a social secretary to keep track of all those women. He left a message about a package. He said it'd be delivered today. He said to put it aside not to worry about it. He said that about a baby? I'd say he takes his procreation business a little lightly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Three clueless men and a baby. Had you seen this movie before? I had not. This was my first time. Oh, what'd you think? Um, I didn't like these men in the beginning. The opening montage was upsetting. Um, you didn't like the revolving door of hundreds of women coming in I and did out. Not, I did not. I did not like how um, the mural kept growing. I was. I was angry with them for their apartment size and <laughs> I was mad about the the way that they treated these women. Every exit interview as I, I would call it <laughs> to the elevator <laughs> door because the elevator opens to right. their apartment yeah. seemed at least somewhat gentle and cordial. Yeah. Wait, wasn't there like one angry one? There was one angry one. I mean, you're bound to have one angry one. But I mean, if you're if you 99% of the time are, you know, Derek Jetering these women away. Do you get that reference? I don't and I don't <clears throat> sports. <laughs> Derek Jeter famously has dated many, many models and actresses uh-huh. and every time that he would like tell them to hit the road he would give them like a Derek Jeter gift basket excuse me yeah. with like oh my god with gosh. like signed Derek Jeter memorabilia wow but I mean like they 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 the audacity oh absolutely <clears throat> that's why the Yankees suck anyways <laughs> um if you're new to this podcast I'm Brian Flynn, my co-host here, Kenneth Trent, and I will be taking a classic movie, talking about it as if this movie was to be remade today, specifically five characters of this movie and who would play them. This week, we're talking about Three Men and a Baby, directed by Leonard Nimoy. Spock! Spock! Spock directed this movie! Crazy. And um, we'll talk about all the ins and outs of this thing and whether or not it'll hold up to today's trends and standards. But before that, some news has happened since we last met. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm looking at the rundown here, and this first one is specifically just for me. I'm not saying you can't interact Uh, with me. No, I want to be entirely silent. (laughs) I I asked to talk about this because I have a lot of mixed feelings about this. So Netflix has cast their live-action Cowboy Bebop series. Cowboy Bebop, a very famous uh, Japanese anime, which 
I am a big fan of, short story. If you dig up a little yearbook from my high school, Mm -hmm. circa 2000 and beep, (laughs) you might find a little blurb under old bra guy here that may or may not say, that may or may not have every single episode title of Cowboy Bebop strung together as my high school quote. You may or may not. I don't know if you'll... We just really got a glimpse into... Right. Who I was and who I still am. So the big news is that Cowboy Bebop on Netflix live action series based on the cartoon or the anime uh, cast John Cho as Spike Spiegel, Mustafa Shakir as Jet Black, the two bounty hunters, uh, Daniela uh, Pineda as Faye Valentine, who's sort of more of a femme fatale, comes and goes, and Alex Hassel as Vicious, the syndicate assassin, Spike's former partner. Now – I am all aboard. I am fully ready to see what this has to offer. This might be perfect casting. With the exception. Of the main character? Of John Cho. And I know this podcast has always been and always will be hashtag John Cho and everything. Yeah. Love John Cho. Love John Cho. I just worry that he will not fit the kind of ultra cool character that Spike is. Like – I was talking to a friend about this, and John Cho traditionally has always played a lot of straight men, a lot of, um, how would you say, schlemiels. Okay. So I don't like to <laughs> – so I'm apprehensive that you he's taken this role. You don't think he is – okay, because here's the thing. At your suggestion, I watched one episode you did. of Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. The it's easy one? and it's on Hulu. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think I got it, but I also I also don't think I got your concern. Sorry, lady, but we don't protect or serve. This is strictly business. Cowboy scumbag. Wait a minute. I know you didn't mean that, Spike. Son of a bitch! <laughs> he called you a cowboy. What did he mean? What are you? Just a humble bounty hunter, ma'am. I think what you're saying is you just don't see him being like the the like slick assassin. Yeah, so like kind of guy. An easy parallel might you could say to the to the um casual listener that Spike Spiegel is sort of like Han Solo. So do you see John Cho filling in that sort of same uh roguish character? And for me it's a little difficult. But well, we've just never seen him do something like this. True. Like I, I, you know, after the initial shock of like, what is happening here? <laughs> like whether or not this should or should not be made is one thing. But like to hear his name attached to it, I had to step back and be like, I got to give this guy some runway. Like I really got to let him – I got I to give it to my boy to stretch a bit, right? Like, Yeah, I think I think we should we should embrace him. Let's Let's see him get shredded up and kick some butt. That's yep. what I want. I, that's what I, I do too. That It's just sort of me nerding out for a little bit. And so thank you for indulging me. <laughs> thank you for talking me off the Cowboy Bebop ledge. of. Uh, it's going to be fine. I hope so. The other thing though is like this is a finite series. This show I think had like two seasons and a movie and it wrapped up in a real great ambiguous way. Mm-hmm. Every, all the storylines kind of got tied in. So I'm wondering like if the show is popular enough, are we going to see like, – is Netflix just going to be like just crank them out? Are they going to ruin it? Yep, 100%. <laughs> okay, guys. It's time to get into our reboot this week of Three Men and a Baby. You ready to talk about this movie, Kenna? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Guys, this is our reboot of Three Men and a Baby. 
No, wait a minute, wait a minute, you guys. You can't be sure that this is my kid. Uh, what the hell am I supposed to do with it? We've put our lives on hold, Jack, taking care of this kid, and now it's your turn. Okay, all right. All right, fine. Until I straighten this mess out, I'll, uh, I'll take care of her. I mean, sure, why not? I'm an actor. I can, uh, I can do a father. Yeah, yeah. What can be so difficult, huh? Mm. Yeah. Good night, Jack. Good night, Jack. Good night. Good night. Ooh, down we go. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's, what's the matter with her? Good night, Jack. Good night, Jack. Three Men and a Baby, directed by Leonard Nimoy, a.k.a. Spock, Live Long and Prosper, director of such movies as Star Trek Three and Star Trek Four. Pretty much his only movie. And this movie mm-hmm. stars Tom Selleck as Peter, Steve Gutenberg as Michael, Ted Danson as Jack, Margaret Collin as Rebecca, and Nancy Travis as Sylvia. A movie in the age where last names didn't matter. It didn't – it really didn't matter. What to say about – I mean we talked about the beginning of this movie is like the montage is really weird. You know, I think the idea – like you said, like you don't like these guys. I think back then – Maybe there's a little bit of like, man, look how cool these guys have it in their weird like, the, the whole, postmodern like, apartment. The whole like running down the street and then like turning around because he passes a beautiful woman and then somehow they end up back in his apartment. Like that's – it's just gross. Like even though – like I don't know how many times we're going to mention this. Even though apparently Tom Selleck was the biggest sex symbol in the world. I think that's why this movie works. <laughs> Like, I think it's because of who they had to play this sort of delicate line of, like, Casanovas and Lotharios. Lotharios, right? So they picked Steve Gutenberg. Gutenberg. Here's the thing about Steve Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg crushed Hollywood for six straight years. I'm pulling this up real quick. Because I think I've I think I've tried to bring this up before. I don't know if it ever made it into this podcast. Let's look at Steve Gutenberg's IMDb okay, real fucking let's quick. Let's do it. <clears throat> so we'll start with 1983, The Man Who Wasn't There. The next year, Police Academy. The next year, Police Academy 2. Same year, Cocoon. Next year, Police Academy 3. <laughs> Same year, Short Circuit. Following year, Police Academy 4. Same year, Three Men and a Baby. Next year, Cocoon the Return. It would be so much more impressive if they weren't all Police Academy movies. Do you know how much money the Police Academy movies made? We've talked about it. They made a lot. They're very successful. But for every year he made a Police Academy, he made another banger comedy of the 80s. I'm not saying they hold up now, but I'm saying he made two movies a year that were blockbuster hits from 1983 to 1988. Mm-hmm. That is a stretch of Hollywood that you cannot deny. <laughs> okay. I, okay. I think I, okay. <laughs> I think I'm balking more at the idea that um, comparatively when you team him up with, which it's so weird to talk about these men like this now because Tom Selleck, I guess he's still doing Blue Bloods mm-hmm. and Ted Danson is on The Good Place. Yeah, Ted Danson, it has his career is amazing it has continued to thrive um steve gutenberg i hope he's okay um (laughs) he was on ballers but it's just such an odd because like we still know their careers they're just older men yeah it's so weird it's so weird to be like these hot bods in the (laughs) 80s they were hunks they were the king of hunky hollywood and then they were charged to take care of a, a beautiful little baby this movie, of course, made a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Of course it made a ton of money. So 
Should we talk about it? Should we get into these yeah. individually? We'll talk about the stash first. <laughs> Tom Selleck. Oh, uh, Peter, played by Tom Selleck. Um, kind of the leader of the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about, like, how curious we were. How, how does this... How did their relationship actually work? It, re- it was three. Great question. It was three. So Peter is an architect. Mm-hmm. Michael is an artist, an illustrator. Yes. Uh, He's like a famous cartoonist part- slash yeah, okay. artist. Yes. And then Jack is an actor. You guys, you know, I'm out of here tomorrow for 10 weeks. What do you say I get rid of Sharice? <laughs> no, no. The three of us hunker down here with a bottle of wine and shoot some pool. I got a better idea. Why don't you two guys hunker down, shoot some pool, and I'll let you. No, no, no. Why don't you just go and have a good time? Oh, yeah. Enjoy yourself. Oh, God. It's a tough job. It's got to be done. He's unbelievable. The man has one giant gland. And they all live together. In New York. In New York, in this building that they have made their own. And I guess are planning to just stay on as bachelors yeah for the foreseeable future i just don't understand i just don't understand like they're all very successful men and they're choosing to live together in this environment where they all just understand that they're constantly bringing women home <laughs> like i'm just like why would you not get your own place here's the thing it does sound weird on paper but i'm sure this exists in reality I wrote this down. This movie wouldn't be in Manhattan. It it would take place in a cool fucking warehouse instead of like a high rise building. Mm -hmm. And it would just be like, yeah, your three oldest, shittiest, most single guy friends (laughs) decided to go in on this thing so they could. I'm not even going to say it, but, you know, like just (laughs) just just sleep around just like. Just sort of like notch. It's it's like the boys who didn't want to grow up. They're yeah, like I Peter Pan syndrome, right? Like I just I I don't want to I don't want to commit. I just want to have fun with my boys. Nah, but they exist, right? You have to admit that. Oh yeah, for do. sure. Okay, so Peter, played by Tom Selleck, knowing what I know about Tom Selleck at that time, it was it was kind of tricky to sort of find a guy who could <laughs> walk into a room and have so many women kind of be kind of fluttering a bit kind of kind of have mm-hmm. you know their heads turning kind of get them starting to get them off balance and but by the end here's what's important about here's what's important about this movie and I need to say this at the top or else okay. it's going to go down a road of like don't we all hate misogyny yes but this movie's really funny and it's really charming yeah, yeah because yeah, yeah. it is a coming of age story because yes. these men learn to be better men because of this one young woman yeah. And be better to the women in their lives because of the responsibility they're given. So with that said, like the change in them is also something that you have to pay attention to. So I picked John Hamm. Okay. Incredible sex symbol. (laughs) Uh, I mean, here's the thing. John Hamm has Tom Selleck energy. I think that's that's code for something else. (laughs) You mean big mustache energy. Big mustache energy. The public wants to know what an attractive, witty, successful woman sees in a bozo like my roommate. Well, he's, um, he's charming and he's sweet. He's very thoughtful. He's sort of boyishly handsome, but he has got the most amazing... Thank you, Rebecca! Absolutely. Uh, it's... And you know what? If you live in the L.A. area and you go to the Oaks Gourmet on Franklin, sometimes you can see it because he doesn't wear underwear in the mornings. 
Guys, for a while it was all the internet wanted to talk about. Right. John Hammond sweatpants. Okay. So, great choice. Thank you. (laughs) Because I think one of the key things about Peter is that he's clearly, like, older than he should be for, like, generally having no, like, personal responsibility. Right. Like, he's great at his job, but he... He's not in a relationship. He doesn't really like hold anything else down. Like he's still living with his bros. Right. But there's something I feel like that you have to just be like, well, that that's just kind of the way he is. And so I, I see that journey, John Hamm taking the journey of of commitment, of realizing that commitment is not a bad thing. Yeah. And that he can learn to love a single person. Right. It's such a uh, baby. Um <laughs> spoiler alert. Uh <laughs> Uh, we'll talk about this when we get into Rebecca's character, but like also the idea that like when we meet him and women keep coming up to him and they're like, Peter, are you and Rebecca like a thing? And he's like, me and her? No, like we're totally That like, really open. bothered me. And then a guy comes up. He's like, hey, what's going on with you and Rebecca? And he's like, oh, we're definitely like together. Like, you know. That really bothered me. But it kind of speaks to him. I wish they kind of went a little further with it towards the end. Like they kind of end the story of Rebecca and Peter – just sort of in bed together and she's kind of poking fun of him. But like really this movie, what this movie needs is for Peter to realize that like he does want a family. He mm-hmm. He's not afraid of family. He's not afraid of committing to Rebecca. So he should like quote unquote man up and like commit to her. And I think it'd be an interesting role for John Hamm who notoriously dated a woman for several years yeah. and then ended it somewhat recently. But um yeah, that's who I picked. No, I think that's a great choice. Thank you. What um, uh, would you who would you pick? So I picked because I wanted to lean into the fact that I think Tom Selleck is great in this movie. I prematurely wrote that Peter is my favorite character. That's not true. We'll get to that later. But um, like he is so funny. Like you just don't assume he. You think he would bring maybe some cheese to it, mm-hmm. but he's so genuinely funny and interesting oh my god the moment where he has to go and buy baby food you don't know how old your baby is yes i do i know i know how old my baby is is she teething teething well you know does she cry all night does she chew on her fist and drool a lot all right i'll take take three of these and i'll take some of these and thanks very much for your time edna a source of great distress. His delivery is great. And I think I wanted to pick someone who who I love as an actor and who I think could bring a genuine sort of aloof comedy to this idea of just not knowing how yeah. to raise a kid. I picked Adam Driver. Oh, okay. All jokes aside, I legitimately think that Tom Selleck brings an energy to the movie that is he's the leader. He is, so to speak, and he is... The one who I think falls in love with the baby and like feels the most fatherly first. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting that you said that like the, we say he's like the leader, but like the other guys are younger in age. And so mm-hmm. when I I think they take their cues from Peter, like he's more mature, but in yeah. a way that the other guys follow. Mm-hmm. And so when he falls in love with Mary the most, the other guys tend to sort of following him along too like he's the yeah he's the linchpin to everyone wanting to by the end keep keep mary around and like yeah. 
um, when the th- this is the other thing I forgot this movie had drug dealers in it. <laughs> like it's a completely wild storyline. That was not something I signed up. Thought I signed up. Where for. the the package, quote unquote, they think is a baby, but it's really a package of cocaine that ladies heroin like, heroin that these drug dealers are trying to get back. And so when they trash the place, Peter's like rushing through the apartment. Right. And when he finds Mary, it's it's suddenly like she's the most important thing. Right. Mm-hmm. But also. I wrote down, untie Mrs. Hathaway, you fucking idiots. They left this She's woman. She's like, okay. They like left this poor woman tied up for like three minutes. I do think that would be a very fascinating sort of way to retell the story a little more directly is to make it more about how like, let's say like Peter is the one who maybe they look to him for sort of like life lessons and advice and they're constantly seeing him like not lock things down with Rebecca and not really like commit to anything, not do anything. And so it's more Peter's story. Yeah. And everybody else just sort of falls in line. I think that'd be a fun way to do it. Anyway, I love Adam Driver in like a comedy, especially in like a rom-com. Like he's become quite a serious actor and I just I think he's a lot of fun. Go watch him in What If. I love it. It'd be like a more mature version of Adam comedic Adam Driver from yeah. like what if but also I would I would pay money to see him with a mustache <laughs> like we're in agreement that Peter must have a mustache I don't in know. any iteration I mean, of it's it. not the 80s anymore oh Brian. come on let's give him a mustache <laughs> <laughs> even though this might be controversial because I feel like I have uh, frequent disagreements with other women that Adam Driver is not an attractive person I think he's very good looking yeah I mean, he he has like a very interesting look to him, but I think that's what makes him interesting to watch. Yeah. He's not like traditionally actorly yeah. attractive maybe, but. All right. Should we move on to Michael? Michael. Played by Steve Gutenberg. Literally the only note I wrote down was Steve Gutenberg is only 29 years old. I know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And he owned the 80s. <laughs> um, But he, he like what's so funny is like he. He's supposed to represent to at least – I know that uh, Jack is the actor, mm-hmm. but he in a way is sort of like the quote-unquote sensitive one because he's like the painter the and artist, the artist. Yeah. I mean it, really I strange. was – it was a little odd that in the – I think it's in the opening party scene where he's in his room with a woman and she's just like, you're the guy who draws uh, – Cool cat? Cool cat? cat? And he's like <laughs> doing like the puppet and I was just like, hmm. <laughs> Hey, how's it going, baby? Name's Johnny. Give me five. Oh, I mean, give me three, yeah. I can't believe you draw Johnny cool. Coolest cat in the world, right? No one cooler, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe it. Makes me so happy. Puppets don't work for you. I was just going to say, is this woman really? Because she's like, oh my gosh, I read Cool Cat all the time. And I'm like, what? Was it analogous to Garfield? Because Garfield sucks. He looked like Chester Cheetah. He did look like Chester Cheetah or Joe Camel. It was like if Joe yeah. Camel and Chester Cheetah had a com- had a chamale, <laughs> a chamel. I'm cut that out. Um, <clears throat> here's another question I had: How old are these guys supposed to be? Like, we know how old they are in real life, but like, are, I, did they all go to college together? Because they all look wildly different ages. I, how did they meet? What is the nature of their relationship? <laughs> I don't understand. Grouper? Maybe they all went on a grouper date. 
and they dated three other girls, and then they that all just they all just like had a better time with each other. So then I they was going to say, what if they all happened to like go out with the same woman and went to some like support group, and then they were like, hey. <laughs> Like there is a woman who like ruined all three of their lives. Yeah. That, I, I would watch that. And that's what has like emotionally broken them into the place where they feel like they can't commit. Oh my gosh. Why don't they just hire us to write this movie? <laughs> um, your turn. Um, okay. So for my Michael, I wanted to pick someone who I like and who hasn't really done in very much comedy, but it's a, who's a, I think is a very funny person and who I would love to see in this mm-hmm. movie. I picked Steven Yun, who I've cast before, yeah. but he's in this week's episode of The Twilight Zone, and so I feel like I keep seeing him all over the yeah. place. Yeah. Because um, I subscribe to CBS All Access. Get at me. Um. So, yeah, that's what I chose. Steven Yun, famously of The Walking Dead. Yes. And he was, oh, yeah, I'm sorry to bother you, was his last thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I like that pick. He is definitely, has he done a comedy? He hasn't. I'm sorry to bother you. But it's kind of a What's fascinating about him is that I think he I think he leans into a very like dry comedic world. Like he's good friends with Conan O'Brien because every time he's on his show, they do like oh, yeah. the best stuff. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. this guy has got chops. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I like this pick because I like seeing him and Adam Driver sort of be Mary's parents for the first ten weeks. Because that they that's have her. important that like Jack Jack's not around. Kind of isn't in the movie for a while. Half of this movie is two men and a baby. Yeah, really. I had a problem with that because it's called three men and a baby. But when Jack finally shows up, he really delivers. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not like he's the third wheel and you're like, I don't like Jack in this movie. You want Jack to come back and he does. But when it's just Peter and Michael, they kind of grow into this harmonious couple. I think she did a doodle. Your turn to change her. I'll give you a thousand dollars if you'll do it. You kind of see their daily life kindly finally get on track the day that they have to give up Mary. Mm-hmm. And then the calamity when they realize that they're dealing with a couple heroin dealers. But here's the thing. Did they think that these two guys were coming, were just coming to take a ch- Hmm. It's very, very irresponsible. It really is. There, There is a level of disbelief where you have to be like, these men are so irresponsible yeah. that they just think people ship babies. Oh, my God. How did she and get leave there? Them. Okay. Who did you pick for Michael? <laughs> um, I picked an actor who I, you know, had tried to toss him into a couple movies every now and again, but he just didn't seem to fit. And then when I put him into this, I was kind of like, you know what? He also is more of a dramatic actor, but he, I think, I think he has a kind of a, like a sharper edge than Steve Gutenberg has. And so I was like, well, that could be interesting to see him soften over time. Literally everyone has a sharper edge than Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> oh boy. Um, I ended up picking Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad and okay. Bojack Horseman. Okay. Um, because he represented for a long time a character who was completely irresponsible. Yeah. In Jesse Pinkman. Very child. Yeah. Yes. Like a t- but eternal I can, teenager. Yeah. But I can sort of see him fill the role of like, you know, the artist type that has to be given this baby. And, you know, I mean, I, we keep saying like that they all, I mean, they all fall in love with her. But, um, yeah. Who really – I guess he's he's the one who kind of tries to charm Mary the most. Like if, if you sort mm-hmm. of say it like, well, Jack charms her too. I don't know why. I picked Aaron Paul. <laughs> but it's a different kind of thing where like Peter is the one who's like reading boxing articles to her in a baby voice. Right. And 
I think Michael's kind of the one though that's like, oh, well, like he's yeah. I I have like toys and I make this cartoon. Like yeah. I'm the fun one, but. Yeah. Loved the moment where he turned on the TV and it was just playing Dr. Ruth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now that's a joke that you can't make work in the, in this, in this era. I used to watch that show until I just became uncomfortable and then I had to turn it off. I feel like there was always this sort of like sleepover, like it was like a dare thing to be like, how long can we make it? When most of the time you're just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so jarring. I don't, I don't, I, this is not what I wanted. Anyways, Jack. <laughs> Truly, if you want, if this is the original two and a half men, because he's only in, in half the movie, he's the half man. He is the half man, but he is the biological father. So yeah. that's what really anchors him to this movie. Yeah. Um, played by the fucking Ted Danson. Man, I love Ted Danson. He has like this little line uh, where the, <laughs> the cop has come around. The detective who's like sniffing out the drug dealers, is, he's in the apartment and Jack finally calls from like Turkey where he's mm-hmm. shooting this movie and they cut to him in Turkey and he's like in full costume <laughs> as like a 1940s pilot. Right. This place is amazing. You will not believe some of the stuff I bought for you guys. Jack. I mean, the shit is so cheap here. I probably bought too much of it, but what the hell? I can always smuggle it in. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Jack. Ted Danson is, was funny then, is funny now. Always funny. Always funny. Always funny. <clears throat> this was an interesting pick on my part. Okay. I, I picked all my individual actors and then when I grouped them together, I was sort of like, these men should not live together. <laughs> but Argu- I don't care. Arguably, the, the actual men should not live together. So let's right. break ground. So um, I picked Chris Hemsworth. Okay. Because okay. he is so goddamn charming now. Like, as soon as he turned the corner as, like, the funny, good-looking guy in Ghostbusters, he has not looked back. No. And we are fucking loving it. Yeah, no, I can't get enough of it. And to think about him, I mean, he he is a father. This was also interesting that, like, uh, my cast weirdly mirrors the original cast in a way that, like, I guess Steve Gutenberg and Tom Selleck were notorious bachelors, but Ted Danson had been married for a long time yeah. and like he was like a pretty stable family man. Like Chris Hemsworth is the same way. Like he's he's like three kids or right. something like that. But to see him be this like as they called it, well, I wrote it down because it was such a great line. I think Pete, uh, at one moment Tom Selleck just goes, "The man is one giant gland." <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Um, but also, like, sort of the more irresponsible one of the three. I, I just was like, yeah, fucking Hemsworth, man. Like, he's so attractive. Like, yeah. obviously, like, people would want to sleep with him. Uh, seeing him as sort of the, like, successful actor. Like, you could totally see him, like, playing these weird roles. Um, and then just also coming home, like, when they are all so nervous about whether Mary's dead or not because Jack's taking care of her and they rush home from the opera. Uh-huh. Um, and then you just see that they like took like this really sweet shower together. This like really nice father daughter moment. And he's just like, Oh, it looks like uncle Michael and uncle Peter are a little like, they're a little anxious <laughs> and he's just sort of strolling around. I was just like Hemsworth could knock this out of the park. Yeah. No, I totally agree. You're right. Those men should not live together. Absolutely not. But I, I, I feel like I took a similar approach in that it has to be someone who is like Hollywood attractive yeah. because they're an actor. It has to be someone who is super funny but i think i was also just like i want somebody who 
Because I think the thing about Chris Hemsworth is that he he honestly gives off this impression that he is like a little uh, like lost. You can tell <laughs> yeah. he's not. You can tell he's very like he's absolutely with it. He knows exactly what he's doing, but he just like plays very goofy. Yes. And I think that that's I think that that's it. There's like an aloofness to him. Yeah. The interesting thing is that, uh, I mean, my thing was that I kind of wanted to pick somebody on the younger end comparatively because as the quote unquote irresponsible one whose uh, child ends up on the doorstep, (laughs) I thought it might come off more as like his older roommates are like, how did you let this happen? I certainly don't know anything about that baby. I mean, for God's sake, somebody drops a baby off on, on your doorstep and you automatically assume he's mine? The child doesn't look anything like me. I'm bigger and and I have more hair. So I picked Liam Hemsworth. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, yeah, I, I considered him. The, the only reason I picked Chris was because the age ranges, I guess, made a little more sense for my cast. Uh-huh. But I think Liam more recently has realized if I can do what Chris does, then my career can last significantly longer. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. If you haven't seen Isn't It Romantic, it's a very funny super movie. Funny. And I was shocked at how much I laughed out loud at Liam Hemsworth because he would do these like weird physical comedy bits that mm-hmm. were so funny. And I was like, oh, OK, this this is who he is. I feel right. like I've only ever seen him in. I don't know, the last song, that movie with Miley Cyrus. And so I was like, okay, he's kind of like a... You never saw Hunger Games? Oh, yeah. I don't remember that. <laughs> I definitely saw them, but I yeah. I put that from my mind. Um, and so, yeah, it was really refreshing. And I was like, oh, okay, this kid does comedy, too. Yeah. He's funny. It's just weird that we picked Kramer. <laughs> it's, it's not weird considering all the weird things right. that happen. Anyway. Poor older Hemsworth brother. Luke. Luke, yeah. Yeah. We could just remake this movie with the Hemsworth brothers. I'd watch it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great pick. Let's do two weird versions of this movie where one of them is is Hemsworth brothers and the other is Skarsgård brothers. <laughs> oh, God, Bill Skarsgård with a baby? No. <laughs> He'd be great. Wait, who's the third Skarsgård brother? The one that's on Westworld. Huh? You, which is funny because because Liam Hemsworth Liam is Hemsworth also <laughs> so Westworld is the other brother show. Who does he play? Um, in the second season, he played Gustav Skarsgård. He played the like uh, the what's his face guy who like came in to investigate. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It would be great, right? But in both versions, Peter Sarsgård is the baby. <laughs> Three Skarsgård in a sentence. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Let's talk about Rebecca. I have a lot to say about Rebecca. Okay. Make Um, it quick. Make it quick. (laughs) I actually felt like she plays a very important role in this movie, even though it's for one scene. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first scene is like Peter's not committing to her. He's kind of like calling dibs, as guys like to say. Yeah. (laughs) And that's – the end she's sort of back with him as like you know she sees the new side of him but the scene in the middle where he calls where peter calls her to help take care of the baby and she's like no i have a life was absolutely brilliant 
Why are you asking me? Because you're a woman. You want me to take care of her? Yes. Now? No, when she graduates from college, yes, now. I can't do that, Peter. Baby takes very, very much work, eh? <laughs> Thank you for telling me that, Jan. I didn't know that. What is he, an idiot savant? This is why I amended my favorite character thing, because I think Rebecca is my favorite character, because in that moment where he is, he kind of has to out himself and be like, well, you're a woman. Like, I called you because I need help and you're a woman, so you should know how to take care of a baby. And she's just like, she's not even like upset about it. She's just like, no, (laughs) no, like you're, you're wrong and I'm busy. So I'm going to go on this date because it's sort of like she realizes in the moment, the reason why their relationship hasn't worked is because he is emotionally in this like arrested development stasis mode. And the best thing she can do is just like walk away. Same thing with Jack's mom. It's, it's just sort of like weirdly analogous that the women who are there with the exception of Mrs. Hathaway who comes in is just like I'll take the baby and they're like yeah great but then they never call her except for one time and then the place gets robbed right anyways but like those two women Jack's mom and Rebecca like share this analogy of just basically like they're the character who have to force these men to to face themselves and realize that like it's not scary to grow up like it's not scary to like yeah you know, move on and live a life. But and I think that's what's great about them sort of ending in in quotes, ending up together is that I think she sees the growth. Yeah. And is like, okay. Like I, I'm more willing to commit to something where he is has seen for himself that he can move forward in a relationship. Yeah. And it's kind of nice because she gets to see firsthand the sort of like how how do I baby? And then they're like singing her goodnight. Yeah. Well, I hate to leave you, baby. I don't mean maybe, because I love you so. So for my Rebecca, I picked Darcy Carden from The Good Place, from Barry. Um, And I think I love her for this because she's super funny, but I just can see her being this sort of mature, sure of herself kind of woman who in what is essentially just an open relationship. It's an interesting choice. I think I really like it. I'm sort of taken aback by uh, the pick, but I think I I see it. I see what you're going for. Mm -hmm. And what I like is she's slightly older than Adam too. And so like, I kind of like that dynamic of, it's not like a young girl who's sort of like, waiting for Peter because he's right. successful and handsome and charming. It's like she's an equally as successful woman. Like what mm-hmm. she she plays ce- she's like a cellist or something. Like she like works in an orc or she was she just on a date she, with I think a guy. She's just on a date with the oh, cellist. I thought she like somehow worked in theater like Probably. Maybe they just never gave her a job. It's New York. Right. Um I don't know what that was. I don't know. You you kind of <laughs> spicy meatballed it with your hands. Um but someone who's probably like equally, mm-hmm. you know, I got the sense that Rebecca is Peter's peer, mm-hmm. but like he just like wouldn't, he just couldn't see it. And like he couldn't see the fact that they would be perfect together. Yeah. God, what I forgot what you just said, but I was going to reinforce a point you just made about Darcy. She is very sure of herself. Sure of herself. She knows who she is. She She's is, not waiting around. No. Yeah, like she she's like th- in the in the aspect of them having an r- open relationship, she's she's not really waiting around, 
But like she knows if he ever turned that corner, then it would be like they would be great together. Mm-hmm. But she's not holding her breath. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she definitely I can see it. Um, I went in a weirder, not a weird direction, but a different direction. Like I wanted to pick a woman who, when she came on screen, there would be no doubt in the audience's mind that Peter should marry this person. Mm. Like that the parallels between Peter's life and Rebecca's life were very close and that like they really cared for each other. And she had somewhat of a charm and a, and a real beauty to her. Not, not sort of like like a young hotness, but like a real fucking like beauty to her that it would be so fucking stupid for Peter not to have already married this person. Okay. And she has done comedy in the past, but she's like kind of like, I guess she's an Oscar level actress as well. But I ended up going with Michelle Williams from, she was in I Feel Pretty recently Mm -hmm. and my favorite rom-com, The Baxter. But I just sort I'm, of, I'm so specifically never going to watch this movie because of how much you talk I actually, about it. I actually think you would enjoy it. But I just sort of saw because if I'm pairing her with John Hamm, mm-hmm. sort of being like not to not to make like a princess or anything like that, mm-hmm. but to sort of really communicate to the audience that like this woman gets Peter. Yeah. Oh, come on, Peter. You go out with other people, and so do I. We agreed to that. You can go out with the whole damn string section for all I care. That's not the issue right now. I need you here. Oh, I can't be here oh, now. Oh, she doodled. You're a very big boy. You're very capable, and you're going to get through this just fine. I feel like maybe your pick is leaning in the direction of she understands that he might be a kid forever, and she's just like, you know what? I'm going to have fun until I find what I'm ready to like settle down with. And she feels so aware of that in a way that he is he's never like he's never set that goal for himself. And so I think the journey for her for someone as I don't want to say like mature, but for someone like Michelle Williams, who would be like the put together woman at the party that like obviously like men are coming up to him to be like, how are you guys still together? Um which if he said it like that, obviously you would be like, just walk away. Um, I think that would be the journey for her to go on is to see that like this person that she was kind of playing around with has more potential than she thought. Yeah. I, I, I guess I'm also thinking that like in my version, Peter would propose to her. You want this, you want a bachelor this, you want this to end with a proposal. I do, I do for sure. Okay. Fence jumping and all, you know what oh. I mean? <laughs> Don't get me started. Like, so it was I, a feat of strength. How right. did he get over the fence? So this movie so was so successful that it had a sequel. And we'll, we'll I don't know if we'll talk about it later, but um, Peter in three men and a little lady actually mm-hmm. ends up with Sylvia. And when I read that, I was like, what? that's weird. So in my version, I was like, no, Peter, his whole arc in this movie has to be that he is actually is and has always been in love with Rebecca. How did they let Mm. Rebecca slip through his fingers in this sequel? That's what I'm talking about. So speaking of Sylvia, now I'm mad at her. (laughs) Why? Because she stole Peter from Rebecca? Well, the the conceit in Three Men and a Little Lady is that she has met another man. And oh. she's going to move back to to England, similar to what she does in this movie, right. threatens to move to England. And the guys rush to England to stop the wedding because Peter realizes he's in love with Sylvia, not Jack. Which is weird. Which is weird. I had lots of problems with Sylvia. One, how did she ship her baby to America? Two, 
Why did she come back? Time out, time out, time out, time out. She did not ship her baby to America. She was a working actress in New York who had who <laughs> couldn't support her and a baby in New York. But so she, she was leaving just, it with like, Jack. Been then, in New York the whole time. Yeah, she had. What? Yeah. I don't believe that. The conceit is she was an, a British actress, uh-huh. came to New York, where somewhere along the acting career met Jack, mm-hmm. had sex. Nine months later, could not support the baby. Well, had the baby, could not support it, was freaking out, left it with Jack, tried to make it on her own, and then realized she can't do it here either. So she has to go back to London, move in with her parents, and mm. she's going to take the baby back. And that's when they're like, no, 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 no. We love the baby. We love you, which they was weird. invite her to li- – I didn't love that. <coughs> I'm not a fan of Sylvia. I don't want to go to London. I want to work in New York, but I can't do that alone. I hope I don't have to. I need help. I need someone to help me. She tried to sure. give her baby away in a very well, irresponsible way. It's important because she she is, you know – in the sequel, this woman, Na- that- Nancy Travis, who is an American actress, by the way, yes, plays this uh, the weirdly the most irresponsible character in the whole movie. Yes, yes, and th- here was the tricky thing about recasting her is that she is a linchpin for the sequel. Yeah, so you have to cast somebody who plays. Literally no part in the first movie, but can help carry a sequel to fruition. Well, I'm glad you teed me up for that because I don't know if I'm going to pay that off. <laughs> so I here's here's here was my criteria. This actress had to be British because I'm not. I don't want an American playing a Brit. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm. authenticity is important. This actress had to be for this movie only. <laughs> right. This actress had to be somewhat young. Okay. Not super young. She didn't have to be 18, but she had to be young enough that you would think that like, yeah, I mean, if, you know, with late 20s, early 30s year old probably would still struggle with the baby. Yeah. She would have to be from the Game of Thrones cast because that's all I'm watching these days. <laughs> no, I had I, I ended up picking a, uh, an actress from Game of Thrones, but not because of that. I ended up picking Natalie Emmanuel, who I've picked. I think I picked an Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. Episode seven? I don't know, guys. Go back through our catalog of episodes and find it. Um, But I really thought that she could play a type of Sylvia who is a working actress. Yeah. And instead of it being like, I can't make it here. I have to go home. Woe is me. I can't make it work. Is someone who was like, maybe she gave up the kid and then made it work and then had a crisis of like, what have I done? Yeah. And had to come back and it has that same kind of emotional breakdown of like, I can't believe I did this. I'm a horrible person and have more of that moment as opposed to like, I can't do it. What am I going to do? I'm going to move home. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, there's like a softness to her, you know, like there's some part about her where the guys see her and they're like, no, 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 no. Like, don't don't change your life. You know, we have through the series of a, we crazy are- events can become this, uh, you know. A typical family. We are three wildly successful men who live together. Right. And you can just come live with us. Right. Well, I, I, I think it's lovely of you to offer, Peter, but I I couldn't let Mary... Oh, no, 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 no,
That's why we we, we you, think that 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 you should move in too. Oh, yeah. That's a great idea. Oh, say yeah. Oh, what do you think? Of course, it's better than four. It's better than you, three. Uh, they right. literally offer to like reconstruct their apartment to make room. Well, they for have her. the fucking space. They own like this apartment. We have not talked about this apartment, which, by the way, I admit, as a kid, I wanted to live in so badly, even though it's haunted. <laughs> it's not. We'll get. We'll talk about the ghost boy later. Um. um who okay. did you pick? So for my Sylvia, I picked Antonia Thomas from The Good Doctor and Lovesick. Guys, I never miss an opportunity to tell you how good Lovesick is. Oh, she was from Misfits. And I think the thing that really stuck her in my mind was that on Lovesick, she plays this woman who is in love with her best friend and the whole. Spoiler. But the whole series is kind of her like hemming and hawing in this like emotional journey of she's fraught all the time. So I just kept imagining her being the woman who shows up on their doorstep to be like, mm. I want the baby back. Like, I'm sorry. I want the baby back. And yeah. I think it works. And I think also she has the comedy chops to then in the fictional reboot sequel, carry it on. It's so weird for me to um, think of her and any of the other cast members from BBC's The Misfits as mm-hmm. like adult people now because they're so ingrained in me as like punkish teenagers with superpowers. <laughs> but she's okay. a she's a she's really good. And I briefly have seen some of Lovesick. It she's she's really good. Um so yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think this is a great pick. Great, we did it. We did it. Is there anything else on Sylvia that we give a shit about? No? No. I already said my piece about her shipping her baby to America. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> guys, where does Barry Pepper go? Okay. Um, Bernard Pepper. I made Barry Pepper Detective Melkowitz. So did I. Boom. Boom. Hey, there's a cop in it. Barry Pepper. I mean, he wasn't going to be the drug dealer. No. The only other thing I was thinking of was like, maybe he could be Jack's dad instead of mom. But then I was like, that doesn't really work. Nah. And also I picked an Australian. So no. (laughs) Um, I want to hear that. I want to hear Barry Pepper's Australian. (laughs) Um, Yeah. He had to be the cop. Yep. The baby loving cop. This detective wanted to hold this baby so bad and they would like he not was running for office. <laughs> he said <laughs> he was running for police commissioner and he was like, please give me the baby. Let you, me hold that baby. Let me hold that and they baby. were like, no, sir. No. You do not hold this baby. There's heroin inside this baby. <laughs> but even at the end when they when they like come down from the construction building where they've like outsmarted the drug dealers in, in Peter's building. Mm-hmm. He's like, can I hold the baby? And they're like, no. No. <laughs> that was something that really baffled me was that they like hatched this plan to catch the drug guys and the cops are just like, okay, thanks boys. We'll yeah. take it from here. You got it all on tape. Thanks so much. That's it? Spicy meatball. Spicy <laughs> Wait, I was – I'm now wondering is the whole joke about them not letting the detective hold the baby, is that something that happens to parents all the time? Oh, yeah. Oh. Everybody wants to hold your baby but like your baby is vulnerable. Like that's how babies get like uh, – ba- Baby sick. <laughs> yeah. Baby disease. Baby kidnapped. Baby napped. Some kids get kidnapped. Baby napped. <clears throat> you just hand the – sh- that's – and I feel like it's something that's even more – 
prevalent now that we're in a culture where it's like, no, you get to decide what happens to your kid and yeah. not just where people feel obligated to like hand their child over because somebody wants to touch them. You don't have to. Can I hold the baby? Huh? No, no. Uh, guess not. Um, okay, let's see. What what other notes do I have for this thing? I'll say this. I think this movie actually to be remade would be super timely because really anything that makes fatherhood cool is all right by me. You know what? We didn't address this at the top of the show, but we realized that with all this stuff going on with Disney Plus, this is one of their top priority remakes. Yeah, but it's still very nebulous. Yes. So while we know that it is, quote unquote, in development, we don't give a shit because that doesn't mean anything. It just means that Disney knows what they got. Um, Actually, kind of interesting is that I watched Tom Selleck on a clip of Tom Selleck on Jimmy Fallon, and they were talking about a sequel to this movie. And there was an idea kicked around for Three Men and a Bride. I guess that was the conceit that, like, Mary's, like, 30 years old now because it's, like, the 32-year anniversary of this movie so mary would be about 32 the conceit would be like they have to give her away her three fathers her three fathers yeah but that doesn't make sense because peter ended up with sylvia or did they get divorced and they had to like come (gasps) back guys maybe rebecca comes back guys hire us to write three men and a bride Um, a quick little note. Uh, Dave Foley makes an appearance in this movie. Colin Quinn makes an appearance in this movie. Um, they won't untie Mrs. Hathaway. <laughs> I realized that I was older than this baby when this movie was made, which gave me an existential panic attack. How much older? Uh, this movie was made in 87. I would have been three, two or three. That's fine. <clears throat> I was 17. <laughs> Um, the people can tell two things and they're both about the party in the beginning of this movie Ted Danson is wearing a zigzag button up shirt that is incredible so like the shirt zigzags like this yeah yeah no I get it and it was like a blouse <laughs> he keeps wearing a, like a, a puffy shirt yeah. through this whole because he's an actor I think it's because it's the 80s, but all that shit's back now, baby, and I Listen, want it. Listen, there was an outfit that I think Tom Selleck is wearing in one of the montages that I was like, that's a great yeah, outfit. Yeah, there's so much dad fashion in here that yep. I was obsessed with. It was great. Um, it doesn't matter what decade it is. People love watching videos at a party. You put a video on a screen, the party <laughs> stops, and you just all watch this video. Like when they watch that – they watch that – I don't know. It's like a basketball – very famous basketball shot, and I don't remember who made it. Yeah. But – um. Jerry West? Who gives a shit? Um, but yeah, people just stop and watch. The more things change, the more things really stay the same. Yeah, because now we now it's just at our fingertips. Now you're at a party now and somebody's like, remember that YouTube video? And then before you know it, you're knee deep in Numa Numa guy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, cut that out. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> oh my Lord. Okay. <laughs> Let's get out of here. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Boot. If you like this podcast, please check out our other episodes. Please tune in next week. We have a really great episode for you next week. So <laughs> I'm so excited. You're excited. Um, well, the, the movie's great. We don't know how the episode's going to go. Oh, well, Vodacom.
So tell your friends, please rate, please subscribe. Leave us a comment, guys. Interact with us. Talk to us. What did you think about our cast? Tell us you love us. Tell us you love us. Hold us like a newborn baby. Kenna, where can the people find us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stop by and leave us a rating and review. That is the best way to help us out. The best, hands down. You can also find us on Ko-fi, where you can go make a very small donation to help us keep making this lovely podcast. That link is in our description and all over Twitter. Hit up Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, you can find us on social media at the Boot Podcast on Twitter and at Boot Podcast on Instagram. But if you just want to pick one of us to follow and enjoy, you can do that too because you can find me at Kenna Trent and you at Flynn B. That's right. You know where I'll be? I'll be in Niagara Falls, you silly bitch. (laughs) That's definitely playing at the end of this episode. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. I'll be in Niagara Falls. That's where.